Alright, I'm on I think. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Um, we want to go into the Word of God. But just quickly, I, I did want to make mention, you would have seen it in the bulletin, um, that which relates to the youth camp. Uh, it's on at the end of September. And so, seek first is the theme, and there's an outline of the events that will transpire over Thursday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. And so, I want to encourage folks to avail yourselves to that, get out to it, and uh, it'll be a great time of ministry, of fellowship, and uh, being edified in the Lord. So, please be mindful of that. Set it aside. The details are there. Speak to Sean or myself if you have any questions, and uh, be blessed. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5. I want to continue this morning on this theme of fullness and I want to look at it in the context that it is spoken of in Ephesians chapter 5. Because what we find here is an instruction from Paul the Apostle that relates to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. And so... The word that it stands out in the context of that is be, be filled. Now it's just a little word really when you think about it, but it says a whole lot and the inference of the word is, is clear because the fact is you cannot be, amen. So the instruction is be filled with the Spirit. Be, be is, a, is a verb, it's something that is a, uh, an action word that we are, to re- we are required to be filled with the Spirit. Because the reality is, is that we can be doing, we can be doing many other things that we ought not to be doing, and yet we are instructed, as we will see, to be filled with the Spirit. So the word be encapsulates the reality of what is. Okay? Uh, And uh, in the dictionary it says to remain in a certain state, undisturbed and untouched. Now, isn't that be filled? Remaining in a certain state, undisturbed and untouched. Now, imagine we could live life uh, with, uh, in that state of being filled with the Spirit. And yet we are told to be filled with the Spirit as we will see within the Scripture. And so we want to look at Paul's words and we want to see the application in which he will make because Paul's words, as we will see, are practical. When we talk about be filled with the Spirit, uh, I'm not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about uh, things that are related to that because, as we'll see, directly what the Scripture is talking about here is not associated with that. You can, indirectly, we can make references to it, but directly... And strictly speaking, that which we find in the text is very practical in its application to our lives in order to fulfil the biblical instruction to be filled with the Spirit. And we want to consider those things that are being highlighted and are being referred to and uh, in order to live the life that God would have us to. So let's read in Ephesians 5 and verse 18 to... 21, before the Lord. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, 
not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I said 18, I was reading from verse 15. Sorry about that, folks, but I'm sure you picked up on it. Okay, you're attentive, tuned in, you're listening. Okay, I was testing you. (laughs) Alright, let's continue. Now, Paul's words here is be filled with the Spirit. Now, if we're going to understand that, if we're going to interpret it properly, then we have to understand the context from which Paul is talking and in which it's to be applied into our lives. Because Ephesians is a very profound letter and uh, that deals with the doctrine... Uh, various doctrines, but its layout is the first three chapters are doctrine and they uh, teach us the doctrines of uh, aspects of Christian living and of Christ and the church, but also from uh, chapter 4 onwards we find the practical applications that Paul's beginning to imply as we make, um, uh, uh, I guess, use or as we apply those things into our lives. And so we're picking up some of those aspects here in our particular text. But what's interesting is in chapter 5, he refers to three key aspects. And um, uh, he talks about, and he uses an analogy, and he talks about walking. Okay, so walking speaks of a direction, moving a movement, a forwardness, uh, so to speak, obviously. You don't walk backwards, you walk forward, and you move forward. And so we as Christians are to be on the move, and we are to walk And in this context, he talks about three aspects, walking in love, walking in uh, the light, and the last aspect is walking in wisdom, in which he makes this application. To walk in wisdom is what is required if we're going to walk in the Spirit and ultimately be filled with the Spirit. There's another aspect that we have to understand as well as we interpret Paul's words, be filled with the Spirit. And if you go back to chapter 4 and you look at verse um, 30, you will see in Ephesians where Paul writes and he says these words, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. But the point here is he says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You see, just as we are instructed to be filled with the Spirit, we are also being warned not to grieve the Spirit. Because if we live our lives, if we conduct ourselves, and if you look at the... Paul talks about bitterness, wrath, uh, and evil speaking, and wickedness, uh, unforgiveness. He's talking about characteristics uh, 
of uh, the way in which we live and conduct ourselves uh, and how we walk in life uh, will ultimately grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And if we are in a state of grieving God's Spirit, uh, then how can we be filled with His Spirit? You can't be. And so that's why Jesus says you judge a tree by its fruit. And so if we claim to have the Spirit, if we claim to walk in the Spirit, if we claim to be filled with the Spirit, then the evidence of that must be manifest. That's what, this is what Paul's talking about. And the fact that we can grieve the Holy Spirit means that, that we can, even as Christians, though the Scripture says we are sealed with the Spirit, we can still lack uh, uh, in that full uh, aspect of fullness that, that we have been considering. And we want the fullness, amen? Paul wants us to have that fullness when he says, be filled. And so, in light of what Paul says about grieving the Holy Spirit, we have the contrasting words of be filled. And this is what Paul wants for the, 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 the Christians here at Ephesus. And it's what God wants for you and I, that we would be filled with the Spirit. So, let's have a look at the context in verse 15 where we find we are told to walk in wisdom and we want to look at the scriptures that, that lead up to this statement of being filled. Verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Now think about that because the word here, circumspectly, notice Paul says, See, then you. The emphasis is on us making the right choices. The emphasis is on us to bear responsibility. So we are told, see then you walk circumspectly. This word circumspectly is carefully. See that you walk carefully. In the Greek the word means to be exact or precise. And so in other words, as we walk in life, as we live the Christian life, as we walk with God, then it is important that we are very, very circumspect or, or that we take out the direction and the steps we take very, very carefully. We have to have a serious disposition. You have to have an understanding of what is required so that we can be precise because the last thing you want to do as a Christian is just work on the basis of assumption and just take things as they come uh, without with the wisdom of God. And that's why it says walking uh, not as fools but as wise. We need wisdom. That's the key to life. Amen? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. And when we fail to have wisdom, when we fail to walk circumspectly, then we walk as fools. And I don't want to be a fool, but I know I've played the fool and I'm sure we all have at some point. Can you say amen? Okay, that was a big hearty amen. Because that's what we like. But we, we are told to walk in wisdom to have a right attitude, of, to be circumspect, to be wise, to be careful. And uh, this is important for us to consider because like uh, all things, uh, walking in the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is not something that is just also automatic without any level of responsibility or obedience from our end. That's what we can determine from what Paul's talking about. 
It's not just an automatic thing. There is a part that we have to play. There is a, there is a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, and I guess if you want to call it an effort that we have to make in response to the dealings of God and the grace of God and the presence of God and the power of God that we utilize in order to walk and to live according to the way in which He requires of us. And that's why we require, it requires obedience. This we're talking on the basis of day to day, our lives. We come to church Sunday, but then we have to, we go home during the week and this, we're talking about a daily application of these things in the way in which we live and the way in which we conduct ourselves. Because we're faced with circumstances, we're faced with decisions, we're faced with choices every day and we must ensure that we are work, walking circumspectly. Can you say amen? Carefully. That's a, a serious disposition that we are required to have. Ah, so therefore the question is, are we mindful of God day to day? Does God occupy our thoughts? Do we give God consideration? Are we acknowledging him in all of our steps? Because James writes to, in the book of James, and he's bringing a, 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 a judgment upon those Christians who are conducting themselves in the context of being a fool. They're not walking according to wisdom, they're not walking carefully and precisely, but rather they are neglecting God on a daily basis and also that which relates to their lives. Now listen to James in chapter 4, verse 13 to 16. Now these are Christians that go to church, okay? Just so we understand. But this is what James says about them. He says, come now, you who say today or tomorrow... We'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapour that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. He said you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this and do that. There's a reiteration of the very point that Paul is making in Ephesians. We don't live our lives and we're just making our independent decisions independent of God. That's, not, that's, that's walking as a fool. We have to consider God. We have to be mindful of God. We need to be careful in the way we approach things and the decisions that we make. And here's a group of Christians that were giving no thought to God and therefore he says we need to have an approach that says if the Lord wills. If this is what God wants, if this is what God would have us to do or have me to do, and that needs to be the approach in which we walk uh, carefully before the Lord. But we find also in verse 16 of our text, Paul writes and he says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. And uh, when we look at the world around us, uh, that continues to ring true as we consider all that is going on. But we're told to redeem the time. Or in other words, what Paul is saying to us uh, is that we would uh, uh, not waste our time. Amen. So it's, uh, the word redeem obviously means to rescue from loss. And if we don't walk with wisdom, if we don't walk circumspectly, it's very easy to waste time, isn't it? I mean, it's so easy just to chill out and just disconnect and just go from day to day, hour to hour, whatever the case may be, 
and we conduct ourselves where we're not serious about our Christian life, we're not serious about our devotions to God, we're not walking as God would have us to walk, we're conducting ourselves in a foolish, in, in a foolish sense, and, in, in, and as a result, we are not redeeming the time, but rather we are wasting valuable and precious time. You see, it's very easy to waste time. That's why it is imperative as we walk with the Lord that we are setting aside time to seek the Lord. That's why it's important that you have a time of devotions. It's important that you pray. It's important that you read your Bible. It's important that you come to church. It's very important because if we neglect to make those things a priority, then all of a sudden, we even sometimes without an, in even not being deliberate, we can be guilty of wasting time. But yet we are told to redeem it. And that aspect of redeeming the time really has many applications in relation to serving God. It's always, you know, in the kingdom of God and the things of this world, there's always something better we can be doing. Amen? There's sometimes we look at the type things we give ourselves to, we could be investing our times better. We could be serving God. We could be uh, uh, encouraging a brother or sister. We could be reading our Bible. We could be seeking God in prayer and watching the TV or uh, doing something else. And I think that applies to all of us in, one, in some way. Redeem the time, for the days are evil. Verse 17, Paul says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand what the will of the Lord is. Now this is interesting because in Scripture we find that God has to give us understanding, right? The Bible talks about that God would open the eyes of our understanding, that God would give us a revelation. So we don't find God, we don't understand who God is without God showing us. That's how it works. But the word that is being used here is not that word, right? but, but in, in the Greek it's actually something, uh, saying something subtly different to us. And in the Greek the word understand here means to put together. means to put together. And so the emphasis again is that, and responsibility is not God so much revealing something to us, but us acting upon what God has revealed to us. Okay? So when it says, don't be unwise, uh, uh, but rather be wise and understand what the will of the Lord is. See, we have to sometimes put things together and you can't put things together if you don't approach your Christian life with a disposition that is circumspect. That one that is careful, one that is precise, one that says, Lord, what is your will? And when we walk in this way, that's when, we, when we're walking carefully before God, that's when God can give us the understanding and we can put, and as the Lord would show us, we're able to connect the dots. We're able to, uh, as the Lord will direct our steps, we know what steps to take. And so, therefore, we're putting together as God is leading us, as God is directing us, as we're acknowledging the Lord, we are able to connect what is the next step and what the Lord would have us to do. 
That's what Paul is saying when he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. Be able to put it together. Don't just go from day to day, week to week, oblivious and just so disconnected from God. Where God is not in your thoughts, where God's not first, where God's not the priority. We ought to know. Therefore, we have to give attention to these things. We are exhorted to examine ourselves. We're told to be serious and watchful in our prayers. And this relates to the disposition that we have to have to understand what the will of the Lord is. Or sometimes we do understand what the will of the Lord is, but we just don't want to do it. (laughs) Sometimes it comes down to that. We know what God would have us to do, but we don't want to do it. We don't want to take those steps. And so we, we don't put it together. We leave it disjointed when God has shown us what he would require of us. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And in other words, do it is what Paul is saying to us. We have in verse 18, Paul says, And do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine. Now, there's the obvious application of this. Don't be drunk with wine. Okay? Uh, um, And uh, I'm I'm, I'm assuming that that's not the case. But I think that there's also uh, something else that we can draw from, a truth from this, and I think it's related to what we find in Luke's Gospel in chapter 21, verse 34. And so if you can, you can... Well, come up on the screen, but you could read it. Now, Jesus is speaking. Now, listen to what he says. He says, but take heed to yourselves. There's the script, work, walk circumspectly. Take heed to yourself. There's that emphasis again. He says, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. This is talking about the second coming of Christ. And so... In other words, the warning is, is lest your hearts be weighed down. You see, we can get overburdened with life. We can get overburdened with the cares of this life. That's what the scripture is saying. That word carousing speaks of uh, not intoxication, because that's what the word drunkenness is there. We're not going to go in depth in this, but it talks about the effects of it. We can be so consumed... With the things of this world, we can be so consumed with the cares of this life, we can be so occupied with the pursuit of our education, or the pursuit of our career, or the pursuit of money, or whatever it is that would motivate us and drive us, that we could be so weighed down with those things that we have not taken heed to our spiritual life. We're not taking heed to walk circumspectly before the Lord and we are neglecting the very things that are most fundamental and most important to us. Don't be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or excess, but rather be filled with the Spirit. You see, be filled with the Spirit. You know, there's that... Uh, a parable with the ten virgins. And what's interesting is the, the ten virgins, the Bible says that five were wise and five were foolish. And so what was the determining factor that determined whether they were wise or fools? 
they had oil. Oil. You see, they all had oil, but then the oil ran out, and they had no oil, and then, uh, and then so the, when the, the bridegroom comes, uh, the, 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 the foolish were there, and the wise were there, and the wise went in to be with the bridegroom. And so, again, oil speaks of the Spirit. And in this context, we are looking at the exhortation to be filled with the Spirit. Because I tell you, when we are filled with the Spirit, therein lies the blessings and the fullness of God in a Christian life. So that, uh, that now brings to question on how do we be filled with the Spirit. Let's look at some practical aspects of this. See, rather than quench the Spirit, as Paul refers to in Ephesians 4, as we looked at before, and he names, it's not an exhaustive list by any means, but he says, you know, bitterness, wrath and anger, clamour and evil speaking, and malice of heart. He talks about these things. And so, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, then we can't be characterised by sin. We can't be characterised by attitudes of heart, not just that which is external, but that which resides internal. Unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred. These things quench the Spirit. These things grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And how can we, have, how can we be partakers of the fullness of God when these things are in our hearts? And we can't. And so... We, the, the whole issue that Paul is talking about from there on is he's talking about the practical steps in which we have to conduct ourselves as Christians. We have to walk in a particular manner. We have to walk according to truth. We have to walk according and order our conduct aright. He who orders his conduct aright shall see the salvation of God. And if we order our conduct aright, then therein lies the the capacity, amen, to be filled with the Spirit. It was a, an author that I, I enjoy reading much of, and uh, he, his name is Sidlo Baxter, but he gave an analogy in one of his books that I'd read, but he talks about the infusion when we become born again and we're born of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God infuses us, and so we are born of the Spirit. But he says the process of sanctification and the work in God, which God uh, uh, brings us onto is a suffusion in which the Spirit of God will, will, that word suffuse means to flood, to spread, and that the Spirit of God would so fill us and characterize our lives and be seen and be evident in the way in which we conduct ourselves so that when people look at us, they notice that something is different about us. And that is, amen, that we are filled with the Spirit. But the question is, what if I have quenched the Holy Spirit? What if I have grieved the Holy Spirit? What if there is sin in my life that is, is, uh, has made me an empty vessel, that has uh, dried me up on the inside, that has left me without the filling of the Spirit in my life? Well, the, the, the biblical instruction is very simple. The Bible says confess and repent. Confess your sin and repent of your sin and you'll be cleansed from your sin and you can be filled. You see, what's interesting is in the Old Testament you have in the book of Leviticus uh, there's a chapter that relates to the law of the leper and, and leprosy and so forth and then it talks about leprosy being a picture of sin in the Bible. 
and so it talks about the ceremonial cleansing of the leper. And so part of that process is where uh, the, the high priest, uh, after they have the, the blood of the sacrifice, they take the blood and they put it on the right ear, the right thumb and the right toe of the individual as part of that cleansing. And then they take the oil, the, the anointing oil, the holy anointing oil, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and they put the oil on top of the, the blood on the right ear, the right thumb and the right toe. And so from that, when, when we are cleansed, amen, by the blood of Jesus Christ, as we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then, amen, the filling or the anointing can be instantaneous. Hallelujah. You can, you can walk out and be filled with the Spirit. It's not something that you have to work towards and you have to achieve and somehow, hey, if I do the ABC, uh, then I'm going to be filled. No, when you, when you, when, when you do as a, uh, when you make that confession of sin, hallelujah, you can get up from uh, that place and you can be refreshed. The Bible says in um, Acts chapter 3 verse 19, Repent and be converted that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And when there's repentance, when there's confession of sin, there's always a refreshing. And there's always a fullness that comes into our hearts. And thank God for that. Amen? And so there is that issue of confession and repentance. Another aspect that enables us to be filled with the Spirit is that we yield to God. It's, when I talk, I'm talking about submission. I'm talking about surrendering and obedience to God. So yield yourselves to God. This is a very key word in the Bible, yield. Because the human heart can be hard-hearted. The human heart can be stubborn. And that's characteristic of the natural man. And yet we are told to yield to God, humble ourselves. And that's contrary to our sinful nature, that's contrary to the pride of the human heart. But yet if we will yield to God, if we will say, yes, Lord, if we will obey what God would uh, tell us to do, then with that will come the fullness of God into our lives. Yielding to God is another key aspect to being filled with the Spirit. Another aspect that we've touched upon, but I just want to emphasize, is, is the issue of, of forgiveness. You see, because Paul talks about bitterness and wrath and anger, I mean, these things, you know, the Bible warns us in Hebrews, lest any of us be defiled with a root of bitterness. Bitterness and unforgiveness is, 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 is we're all susceptible to it, church. And it's one of the roots that has to be uprooted from our lives because we become defiled by bitterness and that's why bitterness hinders us from the fullness of the Spirit. Isn't it interesting in Acts where you have Simon the sorcerer and Peter rebukes him because he wants to purchase the Spirit of God so he can perform miracles and then Peter says, you are poisoned by bitterness. And he says, repent of your bitterness. And in doing so, then he can partake of that fullness. And so bitterness is always a hindrance. The bitterness, that's why when God took Israel out of Egypt, he took them first and foremost to the waters of Marah. 
Mara being bitterness. And there he got them to, the water was bitter, and there they got the tree and threw it in, and the tree is representative of the cross, and there God makes the bitter sweet. Can you say amen? And then we walk and we are filled. Then they went to Ellen, where there were 12 palms, and I tell you what, they had a party there, and they chilled out and they relaxed. Now, I'm, I'm making an overemphasis of that, but I'm making the point that when we come through that, we come to a place of fullness, a place of rest in the Lord. We can talk about holiness. is another factor. Because if we're not ordering our conduct aright, if we are living a life of, that is unholy before the Lord, then, again, we will grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And the Bible says, Without holiness, no one can see the Lord. And so, uh, I'm not going to go into those details, but these are just aspects that we can touch upon. But I want to touch on one thing lastly that ties into our text, as we'll see. But I want you to go to Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, we are, here's another key aspect to that practical fullness that we're talking about. In verse 16 it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Now the key, well there's a few things we're going to touch upon, but it says here, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Again, uh, Paul makes an emphasis that they would allow that, they would allow God, because we can resist these things. And so, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And the way in which you allow that to happen, amen, is you avail yourself to the word. You, you, you read it daily, amen. You are, you are partaking of the Bible. You are, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And as you read the scriptures, uh, and as you meditate upon the scriptures, you are letting the word of God dwell in you richly. But neglect this to your own demise, and yet you, the opposite is true. You are, you are not allowing that the word of God to abide in you as is required. But there's something else here that I want us to note in Paul's teaching to the Colossians, which is parallel to his teaching in Ephesians and that which relates to our text. He says in Colossians, Let the word of God or Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. Now look at the manner in which this occurs, in Psalms and hymns. And spiritual songs. Now, one, that's important. Why we have, when we worship, it's good to have some meaty songs. Pastor Werner, what, hey, about choruses, what's your phrase? It's a snack. Is that what you say, Liz? Pastor Werner? A what? A 7 11. <laughs> and so, he likes the meaty hymns, amen, because they have spiritual truth and teach us something. There's a truth to that as well, amen. But, uh, but the point being is, is we are told there's something about a heart that is filled with God that finds expression in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's why, I mean, always we start church, this is the very thing we do, we sing. We sing because there's something profound about singing. That's why the Bible says that God dwells in the praises of his people. There's something about singing and, uh, and, and singing in hymns and, and teaching in spiritual songs that, that brings an anointing, that brings the presence of God into our midst. And so, in doing so, uh, we are blessed. And that's not just in the corporate setting of church, but there is a great truth that relates to that personally in our lives. And so, we find the correlation to this in verse 19 of our text in Ephesians, if you look at it. Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Same thing. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And the reason why Paul is instructing that is not just that it brings about fullness, but I also believe it is a result of fullness. Because when you are filled with the Spirit of God, you can't but help, amen, praise Him. You can't but help sing unto Him. You can't help but make melody in your heart to God. As you go about your daily business, you've always got a song in your heart. Can you say amen? And I'm going to touch on it again. I know people are going to get irritated with me, but good. <laughs> and what is that? Can I say, you've got to be careful what goes into your mind. See, let the Word of God dwell in you richly. Because when the Word of God dwells in you richly, the, the, the outflow of your heart is you will sing unto the Lord. You will make melody in your heart to God. You will uh, worship and express yourself in this ma- manner. But yet, uh, if, if, if not, then the opposite will be true. And that's why I say, and I'll say it again, you've got to be careful about what is going into your mind. What's, you know, what's the, what's the latest song that's on the charts today? I'm, I'm probably speaking predominantly to the younger folk here. Or maybe, maybe it might apply to the older ones, I'm not sure. But we're generally out of this touch with this generation. But you see, in youth, these things want to steal your heart, don't they? As, in, as a youth, the world is wanting to cap- captivate you. It's wanting to steal your heart, and for, especially for people that grow up in church and, uh, and are amongst Christians, the world is there. And then all of a sudden, sometimes I, I hear what people are listening to, and, I, I, and even my own children, and I say, what on earth are you listening to? How can you feed that trash into your head? And then we can, we, can, we can so eloquently quote this song and that song and the lyrics of this song and the author of that song and the writer of that song and we can, we can speak endlessly and then I say, well, what does the Bible say? Um, see, that ought not to be. It ought not to be. And what goes into the mind comes out in the life. And I've said it, I've said it again, because people don't realise the seriousness of what I'm talking about. See, your eyes and your ears are the windows to your soul. Your hearing is a spiritual sense. 
not just a physical one, and your eyes are the windows to your soul. So what you watch and what you hear is very, very significant and important. Because you may think, well, it goes in, it doesn't have an effect. But I tell you now, it does. We're just not aware of how these things are affecting us and in the longevity of time, it will manifest. And all of a sudden we start to think a certain way, all of a sudden we start to speak a certain way, all of a sudden we're breaking out in songs that we ought not to be singing. And I'm making an emphasis of this because I believe it's very, very important. might not be important for some, but I think it is important for others. And I say this especially for younger folk because the world around us is wanting that the fastest way to change a generation is through its music. Music is spiritual, church. And that's why everything that's coming through the TV and it's filled with the immorality and the swearing and the, the, the unrighteousness that is being pumped through that thing and all the music that is coming through in our generation that has been for generations, it changes the generation. It influences thoughts. It influences conduct. It has a, a very much an impact upon the behaviour and conduct of people. And so when we talk about being filled with the Spirit and making melody in your heart to the Lord, how can we be feeding on that trash? You see, you are what you eat. Okay? What you feed on is what will... You will, you, will de- you will develop as a result of. So the question is, what comes out of our mouth? Amen? That's why Paul says, be filled with the Spirit, speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. And if you're feeding on the wrong stuff, what will come out will come out. What you sow is what you reap. And so what comes out reveals what we're filled with. Amen? It's true. It's a very practical application, but it's true. And yet we're told here to be filled with the Spirit. There's a couple of other things that we could touch upon, and I'm just going to touch upon them briefly. In verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks. You know, giving thanks is critical over the longevity of time as a Christian. And if we're going to remain in a state of being filled with the Spirit, then we have to have a heart that is always thankful. Because in the circumstances of life, it's very easy to become unthankful. It's very easy to look at this and say, why me? What happened? And all of a sudden, our disposition changes. And, and our thankfulness to the Lord becomes an unthankfulness. And so part of, uh, of being filled with the Spirit uh, is having a disposition that is always thankful in all things. Then there's other aspects. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Submission is another key factor. And there's others that goes on, talks about marriage in verse 22 onwards and how those, how those truths apply in marriage. Because if we're going to have a successful marriage, we have to be filled with the Spirit. Can you say Amen? Because if you're not, it's going to make it real difficult. It's difficult enough as it is, without it having to be more difficult. So, 
we have these aspects, but I don't want to go into that and touch upon that. I think I've made my point and I've made it clear. And so the Bible says this, Walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, the Spirit lusts against the flesh. And so there's that struggle that is in every one of us. And so we have to ensure that we are walking in the Spirit. This is what Paul talks about uh, in Galatians, but we find this, this analogy of walking. Walking. Where are we walking? How are we walking? How are you walking? At what pace are you walking? Are you standing still? You see, walk. Walk in the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word this morning. Let us take heed, Lord, to ourselves as we're here this morning and understanding what the will of the Lord is. God, let us walk carefully, circumspectly. Uh, from each day, God, let us uh, take, take note of what's going on in our own lives, what's going on around us, so that we ought to know and understand the times and understand what the will of the Lord is. And put together what you would have us to do, Lord. What steps we need to take. And Lord, do that. And rather than uh, be drunk with wine or the excesses of life or the things of this world, Lord, I pray that we would be filled with the Spirit. Fill us, O God, in Jesus' name. Let it be so evident, Lord, in the way in which we walk and conduct ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.